Well, we are continuing on the topic of discipline this morning. If you uh, if you're here last week, we started that, and uh, if you brought your hand out back, you can keep cruising through that. If not, there's one on your table that has all the blanks filled in from last week, and so you can grab one of those. Um, you know, we we have seen so far in our our class together that parenting is important. It's not an end of itself. It's not that all we are about is parenting and our kids. It's something that God is using in a, in a bigger picture to accomplish his plan of redeeming people for himself. And so part of what God is doing in us as parents is about us as parents. Anybody this week learn some things or see your own heart in some new ways as a result of interactions with your kids? Or maybe they weren't new ways, maybe you wish it was new ways but it's the same ways over and over, week after week, where you see your own selfishness or impatience, you see those things reflected as you interact with your kids. And, and God wants to use those kids and he wants to use your interactions with them to shape you and to shape me, to make us be more like Christ. And, and then our heart is to say, we also wanna be used by God to be an instrument in the lives of our kids. And, and God has given us two tools to that end we saw them in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 last week, where we're told to bring them up, to nourish them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so we are focusing on, on discipline, on the, the structured guidance and restraint that God calls us to. And we saw last time that that discipline is used in, in a couple of different ways in Scripture. Sometimes it's used of corrective discipline, which is what we usually think of. Somebody does something wrong, and there are consequences for that. And, and those are intended to shape one away from that pattern of sin. The Lord certainly disciplines us when, when we pursue uh, a course of sin. If we are his children, he doesn't let us run down that road, but he, he gets our attention and strives to bring us back. And that's part of what we're going to be called to do as parents. Not in a, in a punitive way, not, oh, you did this, and so I'm going to give it to you, but in a, a desire to correct. But there's also formative discipline, training and, and instruction, really preemptively doing, uh, doing training. And, and we use the example of like a football practice or a sports practice and, and how people run at a sports practice. Sometimes that's just because you need to run to get better, to be in shape. Sometimes you're running because you did something wrong and there are consequences for that in, in that sports environment. Uh, but both fall into that category of, of training and of, of discipline. And so we want to be about those things. And, and we began to look then at what, what our discipline should look like. What, how do we think rightly about the discipline of our kids? And, and we started by saying it needs to be shaped by the, the nature of your kids, that they're in the image of God. What were some implications of your kids being image bearers of God for the way and the manner in which we discipline? Do you remember? Yeah, treat them with dignity. We, we treat them with respect, even while we are disciplining them in ways that many... Uh, uh, many in our world do not. Discipline is not humiliating our children for the sake of trying to get them to change. It's not manipulating them in those ways. We saw also they, are, they will exist for all of eternity, that they're not just people who will be here for a lifetime here, but they will last forever either in heaven or hell. And, and so our discipline is to be long-term in view. It's not just about changing behavior now, it's about preparing them and, and directing them to a relationship with the Lord. And, and they are sinners. Proverbs twenty two fifteen, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. I mean, that is, that is the, the characteristic statement of, of children. Folly is bound up in them. Now, is that foolishness just like, you know, they do silly stuff because they're kids? No, it's, it's the foolishness that says, I don't want to submit myself to the authority of God, and, and therefore I want to live my own way. I mean, that is, that is us apart from Christ, that is our kids. <laughs> You know, no, I want it my way. Well, your way, your, your way is not better. You know, and, and they can, in the face of all the consequences of desiring it their way, continue to seek to live their way. And so 
our job is to discipline, to drive that foolishness from their heart, to see them come to a place of, of tender submission to the Lord. It's a rescue mission. We, we see the path that they're on, and we long to rescue them from that. As we saw in Proverbs 23, 13 and 14, don't hold back discipline from the child. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. That's our, our heart. It, it's a rescue mission for them. And, and then we considered God's discipline of us. And we looked at, at Hebrews 12 and at, at Deuteronomy 8 and, and just considered the model of God's discipline. We saw what his relationship is to his children. He is both a loving father and an authority. And that's how God calls us to be as, as parents. And we saw who is disciplined by God, and it's every one of his children whom he loves. There is no legitimate child of God's that he does not discipline. How do your, you know, I don't know if, if your kids, uh, if you ask them or if somebody asks them, how do you know you are a child of your parents? They probably wouldn't say, because they discipline me. They might, that, that probably wouldn't be the first on their list, but God says that is part of what's on his list. That's how, how you know that you are a child who is loved by him. And, and why does he discipline uh, his sons and children? It's for their good and, and maturity as preparation for the future. So it is with, uh, with us and to be the, the example that we follow. And his specific goals is that they will obey him, that they'll trust him and do the things that he has called them to do and that they will ultimately grow to be like him. And, and that too is to be our heart. And, and the means of that, we saw God does use a variety of means. It, he teaches and instructs. He gave rules and consequences and rewards. He, he brought circumstances into their life to shape and develop their character through provision and, and withholding. He does a variety of things. We'll talk more about what that looks like practically for us today. And, and then how does he do that? What's his attitude, the characteristics? He is patient and, and consistent and intentional. You know, God perfectly balances not being passive in his discipline, just kind of letting stuff go, but also not being hyper scrupulous and, and just always on his children over every detail and being harsh. He, he balances those things perfectly. And, and so it is that we want to imitate him in those ways. And so we need to think if we're going to model ourselves after God about, uh, about things like what are we preparing our kids for? And obviously that is big picture, a, a, a relationship with the Lord and for eternity, but then also the, the other uh, goals that, that the Lord would give us as raising children in our particular world. And, and, and what are the goals that flow out of that? What are the things we long to see in our, our children? And how do we train and discipline them toward that end? Well, then we, we closed our time last week by beginning to think about the warnings and exhortations of Scripture. God doesn't just give us his example and say, do your best to follow that. He gives us some specific instructions to try to, to guard us from what would be, be our common uh, errors and, and the common tendencies that we have. And, and the first thing we saw was to not neglect discipline while, you're, while your children are young. Why is that a temptation? Maybe those of you with young kids or those of you that have had young kids and, and you saw how your attitude changes over time. Why can we be tempted to neglect discipline when our kids are young? Yeah, we might think they're, they're fragile or we, we want to cultivate other things first. Yeah, we, we might think they don't know any better. Okay, it does hurt. Yeah, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Other things? Yeah, we might think, oh, it's so cute. Yeah, especially when it's nieces and nephews, but no, grandkids. Yeah, we might think it's cute. We might think, well, there's lots of time. We can start that later. You know, there's, there's always tomorrow for doing these things. And, and Proverbs says, discipline your son while there is hope and do not desire his death. We, we're to be faithful seizing the opportunities when our kids are, are young. Now that doesn't mean, as, as we can easily overreact and think that if we miss an opportunity when they're young that we have blown it and now it's over and we can never recover. No, it's, it's the overall pattern of, of our life and interaction that God, uh, God honors. But we wanna be faithful when our kids are young and, 
And we saw then, secondly, we need to not discipline in a way that provokes your children to anger. What were some ways that uh, maybe have been on your mind this week or things that we talked about that can provoke our children to anger in discipline? Yeah, inconsistency, either in how we handle multiple kids possibly or how we handle the similar situations with our kids when one thing is the worst thing they can do today and the next day it doesn't really matter. You know, those kinds of things. What else? Yeah, for the wrong reason. If, if it's all about us and they are smart. Kids are smart, aren't they? They see through us and they know, oh, you just want me to do this because it's good for you. <laughs> You're making me unload the dishwasher because you don't want to do it, which is somewhat true, but it's, there's a bigger <laughs> picture to that. But it doesn't mean that we are unwilling to serve. It means that we are equipping and training them to that end. Yeah, we can, we can humiliate them as we talked about. We can do all sorts of things that would provoke them. Again, not excusing their anger, but causing us to look in the mirror. And, and then we, we ended just briefly by introducing the fact that Scripture calls us to recognize that the rod is the primary means God has given you to discipline your kids. Look at, look at Proverbs and just the number of references that speak to this. And again, Proverbs are, are principles. They are not promises. They are not guarantees of results. And so these are not, um, not ironclad promises that if you do this once, this will be the result. But these are God's wisdom for life. Proverbs 10 verse 13 says on the Lips of the discerning, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks understanding. If you flip over to Proverbs 13, verse 24, it says, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. When we don't discipline like we saw with God, we are not Loving our child, even though we often uh, are, are tempted to think that way. I love my son too much to discipline him. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. we already looked at. Pro- foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. That doesn't mean that that's, again, an immediate thing. It's like you do this once and bam, no more foolishness. It's great. It's, it's the, the pattern of discipline over time that, that drives that out, that leads to wisdom. Proverbs 23, 13, again, a verse we referred to, do not hold back, 23, 13, do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. Or Proverbs 26, 3, a whip is for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, a rod for the back of fools, or Proverbs 29:15 The rod and reproof give wisdom but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Now those phrases the rod clearly are referring to physical or corporal discipline. I mean, that's, that is, you know, when, he, when he's comparing a, a horse and the way that uh, a horse is controlled physically and, and you know, just the, the imagery of a, a rod for the back of, this is, this is clearly referring to that. Now, that doesn't mean that that is the only kind of discipline. We'll talk more about that. Uh, God uses a variety of means, but it does mean that that is God's um, prescribed primary means of discipline for us. Now, some would say that this idea of rod is just an analogy for discipline being something that is not pleasant. And again, there's some sense in which it, it is broader than that. But uh, I think as you look at what the scriptures are teaching here and the repetition of this idea and how it is used, it is clearly using a means of physical punishment for discipline. Ted Tripp in his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, defines it this way. He says, the rod is a parent in faith toward God and faithfulness towards his or her children, undertaking the responsibility of careful, timely, measured, and controlled use of physical punishment to underscore the importance of obeying God, thus rescuing the child from continuing in his foolishness until death. Now, there's a lot of 
adjectives in that definition that are helpful because for many of us, you have been exposed to or, uh, or you have been disciplined in a physical way that is not consistent with what the scriptures are talking about. Uh, you maybe were disciplined physically in a way that was provoking you to anger. That was just somebody who was mad at you saying, you're going to get what's coming to you, maybe in a, a school setting or in a family setting. You know, there, there, are, there is physical discipline that is not what this is describing that goes beyond this to a level of, uh, of abuse, of not honoring kids. But we want to recognize that this is what Scripture calls us to. Now, I want us to walk through a number of questions thinking about this together, common questions, and consider what the scriptures say. Some of what we're going to talk about is not chapter and verse, because the Bible doesn't give the nitty-gritty details, but it's more of how do we take what we've already talked about, the attitudes of discipline, the goal of discipline, and apply that to physical discipline, to the use of the rod. So I want to start with why don't people use the rod of discipline? Why don't people use the rod of discipline? When, when maybe in, in your own thinking, maybe in your interactions with others, you know, I, uh, every probably once a month in, in a different news app or something that I'm looking at, I, I see a news article that's the latest and greatest on why this is not a good idea. And, and there's common things that, that run through that. What are some reasons why people have, have given or, or as you've interacted with them? Okay, yeah, it can be emotionally scarring, it, it said, that it can, can create a, a different dynamic for the father or mother-child relationship than what we, what we desire. What else? Okay, could be fear of, of retribution. Okay, yeah, it's, it's been defined in, in that way, anything in that category being abuse. Okay can repress their personality and, uh, and creativity in those ways. Yeah, some would say it, it teaches them to hit. Maybe it, it doesn't seem to work. I love them too much to hurt them in those ways. Well, well, why this as opposed to other forms of discipline? You know, if, if so much of uh, our world's wisdom says no, why does God say yes? You know, there is a sense in which we, we discipline in faith. God says things. We don't always understand them. We don't always understand the why that God says. But in, in this case, I, I think, and in most cases, God has, has given us brains to think and understand his wisdom. And he, has, he, he is good and wise. God doesn't ask you to do things or me to do things in any context that are just, hey, this is kind of out there, but I'm going to command them to do it just to see if they're going to do it. Does he? No, God is, is a good and wise God. And so when he says, this is what I am calling you to, it's not just that we say, okay, I'll do it because God says, it's that it is genuinely best. <laughs> and, and I think as we think about disciplining our children, there are some very real clear benefits for physical discipline, for using the rod as opposed to other, other means. You know, if you think of other ways you can discipline, particularly younger children, what are some other things that can be done? Yeah, restricting them from something, taking something away. You know, when they're very young, maybe that's a stuffed animal or a TV show or whatever it is. What else? Time out. Yes, you get to sit there for a period of time. Minutes, hours, days, however long. Um, yeah, when you, when you think of those things, you know, one of the realities is that they drag out the time of discipline in most cases, which uh, I think and have seen can lead to more bitterness and more challenges than dealing with that discipline. And, and again, this doesn't mean there's never a place for this. God had the Israelites in the wilderness for how long? Yeah, that was a while. Um, you know, but the, so it's not that you can never extend the discipline and that there's never places for that. But so often, these drag it out in a way that hinders the restoration of that relationship. Not necessarily from our perspective, but sometimes from our kids' perspective. 
Spanking is, is quick, not immediate, but it, it's a process, but it, it is, it is short-lived, and then there can be restoration, which is a beautiful thing. Some of the, the other means of discipline actually require obedience to fulfill it. So you ask your kid, okay, you, you didn't do this, you disobeyed me, you are forbidden from watching TV. Well, maybe they're old enough to be able to turn on the TV and you leave the room and you come back and they've got the TV on again. Or you say you're on timeout, you need to sit here, you do not get up from the couch, you, you sit there or you read a book or you lay on your bed or whatever for 30 minutes and 10 minutes later they come walking by. Well, what do you do? Well, you, you, you don't have any other means to say, well, now you've got to sit there for, for an hour because you couldn't sit there for 30 minutes. Well, how's that going to go? Well, probably not well. So we just practically there is wisdom in God being, uh, God designing and intending for us to, to discipline our kids in this way. You know, and, and the reality is many other forms of discipline, uh, oftentimes kids don't care. Sometimes you have a child who's very happy to sit in their bedroom by themselves. Like we have, we have five girls, one of my girls, if I say, hey, go to your room, and like your sisters can't come and talk to you, she'd be like, woohoo, <laughs> like <laughs> private time, this is great. Or, or they learn to live without the things that are, um, that are withheld from them. And, and so spanking is really a beautiful thing because it is quick, it is, it is, there's, there's an opportunity for clear resolution and reconciliation, and, and it is, is painful for all children. Now, not all children respond in the exact same way. So does that mean that you can never use other forms of discipline? Well, no, I think God uses variety, and particularly as your children age. Again, I've mentioned my own family, and it's not that we do everything perfectly or right, it's just those are the examples that I know. So I have, I have a 15-year-old, and I have a 14-year-old, and I have a 12-year-old, and a 10-year-old, and an 8-year-old, and they are all girls. And so there is a point at which I stopped spanking, physically disciplining my daughters as they grew older uh, because I, I do want to treat them with respect and I want to, uh, to not communicate anything that is, is inappropriate to them. And so my older girls, it has been a while since I have disciplined them in a physical way and they've also aged to the point where other training and other discipline is now more legitimate and, and, uh, and possible with them. And, and they have really, uh, hopefully, benefited from that discipline at an earlier age, such that some of the same kinds of issues are not, are not present anymore, you know, where our older kids uh, in, uh, in, in those ways. And so it's not that we can never do it, you know, as our kids age, as they, uh, if they are particularly rebellious in, in an area, you know, if you have a, a teenager who's constantly slamming the door and hiding out in their room and refusing to come out and participate in things, you may need to take their door off the hinges and, and do things that fit what it is that they're doing in order to be uh, proactive in that way. But we need to, to think through those things well and not do stuff that we'll regret. Have you ever threatened your kids to do something, threatened that you were gonna do something to your kids only to realize about 30 seconds, maybe less than that, after it left your mouth that that was really a bad idea? And now I've painted myself in the corner because I said if you do that one more time, you will never again whatever, right? And is that really gonna be the case? No, it's not, and, and so we, we do need to be very careful that we don't threaten or s commit to certain forms of discipline when we haven't thought about them carefully. Better to take some time and to say, if you continue to respond in this way, I don't know what will happen. <laughs> because I'm gonna have to give some thought to it. And I, your mom and I are gonna think about that and we may talk to some other parents about things that would be uh, appropriate but not, uh, not punitive in a way that is helpful. But if you continue in this, there will be additional consequences for that. Now again, we gotta be consistent because <laughs> it's easy to say that and then eh, we never really got around to do anything. Um, but we do wanna be very careful. And we do wanna be careful that it's not just punitive, that it's not going to lead um, 
to implications for our relationship that we didn't consider, uh, that there's not other potential options that could be, could be helpful. So it's not that we can never use other forms of discipline, but it's that this is the primary one, particularly as our kids are young and, and growing up. So when should we do this? When should we discipline our kids? When should we take them aside and administer the rod to them? Well, the simple answer is when your child does not obey. And, and I think the command that God gives to children is what? Children, obey your parents. Now, we can oftentimes have too high of expectations for our kids, especially when they are young and growing, which is we think they should be obedient to every command that God has given. And there is a sense in which that's true. And so we discipline them for every single thing they ever do that is wrong. But the primary focus of our discipline, especially when our kids are young, needs to be when they fail to obey you. Because you are training them, and I'm training them. And how do I train them to share with their sibling? Or how do I train them to, uh, to express thankfulness for something that God has given? Well, it's by telling them to do it. Okay? So if you walk into a room with, with your child, and uh, particularly younger children, and they are fighting over a toy, you don't necessarily grab them and discipline them for fighting over that toy, although there may be enough history there that that's appropriate, but you tell them to stop. <laughs> and you tell them to give that toy to your brother or sister. And if they fail to obey you, you discipline them. If they obey you, what have you just done? Well, you have just helped to train them how to respond in that particular circumstance. So it's not that we, you know, we, we can have all these house rules or all these things that we're expecting kids to, to, to do and, and, and miss the fact that the chief thing that we are trying to instill in our kids is God says, when I tell you to do something, you do it. Again, that's as they are younger. As they grow older and they fully well know, I am supposed to share this with my sibling and you have reminded them and disciplined them and trained them in that for years and years and years. Now that is clearly a recognized issue of obedience or disobedience. So when your kids don't obey, now what does it look like to obey? Well, it means you do what you are told. Ted Tripp describes it as without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. So when your child res doesn't respond without questioning you, again, does that mean there's never a time as they age where they can't ask you a question? I don't think so. But you know the difference oftentimes between a child who is not wanting to do it and a child who is genuinely asking something, a question that, you know, if I uh, tell my my daughter, it's time to go to bed. Last night, I told them, you need to go to bed. They were watching something on, on TV, and I said, time to go to bed, go brush your teeth. And their response was, Dad, there's two and a half minutes left on this show. Is it okay if we, if we watch this, and uh, if we finish watching this, and then go? That I do not take as disobedience. I took that as a legitimate question. If I had said, nope, I want you to go to bed right now, and they, uh, then it's, that's disobedience, but the, that interaction it was appropriate at the age of, of our kids. But are they training, are they trained, are they obeying uh, without challenge, without excuse, without delay? So for toddlers, that's come when you say come. <laughs> stop when you say stop. For older kids, it's do they hear you and listen to you? Not, not hear you as in sit in the same room and have the sound waves pass by them, but are they eager to do what you have asked them to do when you tell them that it is time to do something? You know, we, we have so many conversations with our kids that begin something like this. I ask them to do something or my daughter or my wife asks them to do something. And they, they let me know that I don't really want to do that. And I communicate to them, I didn't ask if you wanted to do that. You don't need to worry about whether you want to do this. All you need to do is think about what you have been told to do and respond in doing that. 
Now, again, that doesn't mean we can't help remind them of those things or train them, but don't get in the habit of raising your voice, repeating yourself, manipulating your child. I mean, your kids are going to learn to obey at some point. Sometimes it's, you know, you tell them you need to go to bed and then your voice gets a little bit louder. I said, go to bed, or maybe it's a younger child and you're telling them to come to you. And so you say, come here, Johnny, and they look at you and you say, no, I said, come here, Johnny. And then by the time you get to whatever decimal level, Johnny now knows they mean it. Okay, I'm coming. You know, we, we train our kids to respond at some point, And what the Bible calls us to do is to train our kids to respond at the first time that they are told to do something. And so don't get in the habit of raising your voice. Don't say, I'm going to, you know, try not to, to, I'm going to count to three. No, you don't need to three. You need to respond when I tell you to do something in that way. Try not to, to threaten. Um, again, that doesn't mean you can't train your kids. And this is a, a balance that, that I, I think we just need wisdom for as parents. You know, it doesn't mean that if your toddler is running towards the TV about to push the button and you say, no, do not do that, that you can't walk over and take his hand and help lead him away. No, we're not going to do that. To help model what obedience is, you can do that. It doesn't mean you can't remind your children that don't forget obedience is right away without delay. And they can say, oh yeah, you're right. And so then they can go do that. It doesn't mean that you are harsh and that you expect perfection every single time, but we desire that they learn obedience. And so when they don't obey, then there is to be a regular pattern of of discipline. That authority is so important. Why is it so important for your kids to learn to obey you? So your life is great? Yeah, because eventually you want them to make the connection between I am expected to obey my mom and dad to the reason I'm expected to obey my mom and dad is because God has told me that and God has designed that way and I want to obey him. I'm going to humble myself before him. It's not about you. Don't think that, oh, this is all about me having the authority in my home. No, it's about you training your children to be under authority so that they will learn to be under God's authority. And really, that's what we want to be reminding them of all the time anyway. So when you remind them, you need to obey me, should we stop there? No, we need to remind them, you need to obey because God tells you this is what your responsibility is. And we'll talk more about that as we go. So our child disobeys. Now, that means there are times, or, or there are some times where we, we shouldn't use the rod of discipline because there hasn't been clear disobedience. Sometimes things that, uh, that are not clear disobedience with our kids drive us nuts more than the disobedience, right? I mean, your kid's running through the living room and they have a, a glass of juice and they trip and they spill the juice all over something. And if you're like me, your temptation is to be like, why did you do that? And I'm going to discipline you for being clumsy and spilling the juice. Now, if I had told that child as I see them leaving the kitchen, do not run through the house with your juice, and they proceed to run anyway, and they trip and spill the juice, that is disobedience. But if they're just a hyperactive kid who I'm trying to train to not run with juice, then that's not an issue of disobedience. Now, if they spill that juice and I say, ooh, you need to go get some paper towels and you need to clean up that spill and next time you need to be more careful and they look at me and say, no, I don't want to do that. Now we have an issue of disobedience. So the childishness can often be far more offensive to us than the disobedience, but we have to battle against that and we have to guard against that in those ways. So it's not instances of childishness. It's not accidents. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes our kids can think the worst thing they can do is make a mess. <laughs> and and uh, that's 
unfortunate that we that that I have instilled in them that that is worse than sinning against a holy God. Now there are times where a mess is bad. Don't get me wrong, and I don't like messes. Um, but the obedience and disobedience. My my daughter Ashlyn was um, had spilled some hot chocolate in our van, and uh, in God's kindness, we had thought to buy rubber floor mats for our van a long time ago. So it spilled on a rubber floor mat, which is much better than carpet. Uh, strongly recommend that. It's not chapter and verse from the Bible, but if you have young kids, lots of young kids, rubber floor mats are pretty helpful. Um, so she spilled it and her mom had asked her to clean it up. And, um, and she, uh, I, I think she, she did not fulfill what her mom had asked her to do. And so I was now talking to my daughter and, um, and so I was working with her to clean uh, more than just the, the hot chocolate, but to clean more of the, of the van. But in that, I want to try to, to, to still, in, in part because I'm teaching a parenting class and I'm thinking about those things this week, I want to help her to recognize that this is not just about a mess, right? I'm not, we're not mad at you because you made a mess of our van. We're not mad at you because, you know, there's stickiness on the, the floor that can get on the shoe that can get somewhere else. And, you know, it's, it's a matter of the fact that you were told to do something and you did not fulfill that well. Um, so we shouldn't use a rod of discipline for accidents, for childishness. Um, we, when else should we not? Those are things about our kids. How about us? Yeah, when we're angry, when we are angry, when we are frustrated, even if it otherwise would be appropriate, we need to exercise patience and deal with our own heart first. So often we are, we are upset and we're upset partially because they have dishonored God and disobeyed him, but we're really upset because of what they have done to us. And maybe that's poking on our pride and our, our desire for respect. Maybe that's because of how their sin affected uh, a possession of ours or, or whatever it was. But we have to deal with our heart first. So not when we are sinfully angry ourselves, not for childishness, not for foolishness, also not for their own inability or lack of understanding. You know, particularly if it's your first child, um, you know, trying to recognize what is realistic for them. If you ask your two-year-old, hey, go make your bed, and they stare at you, and they don't go make their bed, should you discipline them for not making their bed? Nah, you should probably recognize that that's, that's a little much for my two-year-old to be asked to do that. Now, you can say, hey, come with me and help me pull this, hand mommy the pillow, and they, they should do what you're asking them to do, but not for lack of ability or lack of understanding. So what does this look like then? Let me give you a suggested model of a wise gospel-centered spanking. And this is, again, we, is, is trying to pull together the different things that Scripture has told us about God's discipline, about our goals and discipline, about the, the pattern that God has established for us. We want to be wise. We want to be drawing our kids' heart towards the gospel. We want to be focused on those things. The first thing that we need to do is to consider if there is even necessary discipline. Uh, you know, this is when there was a clear act of disobedience, when I'm not angry, when I'm not offended at how their sin has affected me. I can discipline without humiliation. I'm prepared to direct them to the hope of the gospel. All of those things come into our, should come into our mind before we even begin to administer discipline. Assuming those things are the case, there was a clear act of discipline. I'm, I'm not angry. I'm, I'm wanting to deal with their heart before the Lord. I'm in a setting where I can discipline them without humiliating them. I'm not in the middle of Walmart. And, and I, can, I can address this in a way that is helpful. We need to pick an instrument. We need to, to have something to use. Ideally, we want something that does what? Well, that stings pretty bad, but that doesn't actually physically harm our child. We, we don't want this to be something that is bruising them for a week, that is causing them uh, lasting pain. We want pain in that moment. Again, this is something that may change as your kids age. Those of you with 
with young kids, something we found useful with young kids was that little fish tank tubing. You ever seen that stuff that goes in a fish tank? You can buy it cheap. You can buy a lot of it. You can make a little loop of that and keep it wherever you need to, and, and it stings pretty good. You want something that's flexible, but that is, um, is, is going to be uh, strong enough to sting. You know, uh, we've used those little plastic paddles, you know, that have the little ball attached to them. Ding, 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 ding. Um, our kids probably don't want to play with those um, <laughs> because we would, uh, we, those, that was something that we, we would use that was, uh, uh, was useful. We've used uh, those little uh, rubber spatula type things, anything like that. Uh, probably best to not use your, your hand because both it, it forces a measure of self-control and it's, it's something that gives you more control over uh, the impact on your, your child. Um, but that's, uh, again, that's not something that, that scripture necessarily f- says, but it does use the analogy of the rod, of something, a tool, an instrument that you're going to, uh, uh, going to use. And then we need to, uh, secondly, pick a, a location, someplace that is private, um, perhaps a... Uh, a restroom or a, another room in the house. Again, this is not for public humiliation. This is not a, uh, uh, a show and tell of, uh, you know, this is what's going on with, with your kids in front of the rest of your family. It's a private act between a parent and a child. You know, as much as possible, I think, to be somewhat consistent in this, especially as your kids age, uh, so that if you are in a situation where you need to tell them to go to that location, they can do that and, uh, and wait for you there. Again, thinking through how to do that in a way that is private. Once you're there, yeah. Um, you know, toddlers and diapers have, most of them have a beautiful fat part of their leg. And um, so we uh, wouldn't always take the diaper all the way off as much as just kind of pull up the diaper a little bit. And that's where we would use something like fish tubing or something that just stings a little bit on, on that kind of upper part of their, uh, of their leg uh, in that area. You know, the one thing I would say about your instrument is try it on yourself first. So even to know how hard you're doing it, so like with the little fish tubing deal, take your arm and hold it out there and smack yourself and see what the impact is and, and so that you know this is what's appropriate in, in those ways and this is what gives the, uh, uh, the, the appropriate context for that. Um, so once you're, you're there, you're in a location, you have an instrument. Again, the other thing this helps with is just self-control. So if, you're, if your pattern is I spank with my hand in the living room and your child disobeys and you grab them and you swat them right there in the living room, you are likely to do that more out of anger than out of love for that child. Not only are you in a public venue in those ways, so if you have a location and an instrument, you have to go to that location. It gives you a second to calm down, to collect your thoughts, to, uh, to consider what it is that you're going to communicate to your child to make sure that you are under control um, so then you, you want to point out the clear issue of disobedience and the consequences. Again, if you can't point out the clear issue of disobedience, you shouldn't be there, right? If it's just, you are driving me nuts, that's probably not good. But it should be, I, I told you to do this and you refused. God's word says you're to obey your parents and, and I told you not to do this and you continued to do this or I told you to do this and you didn't do this and point out the consequences. You know, this can be a great opportunity, not just to talk to your kids, but to ask them questions as they age. We'll talk more about this, appealing to their, their own conscience. So if it's a, a two-year-old, you're probably not asking and having a lot of dialogue, although you may. But as they get older, you might ask them when you get there, what, why are we, do you, do you know why you're here? <laughs> And let them feel the weight of, what did I do? And maybe they say, I have no idea. But maybe they say, yeah, I, I didn't obey you. Well, what was it that you didn't obey? Well, I, you asked me to do X and I chose not to and didn't, didn't do that. So it's a chance for them to, to think about why they're there, not just to be in the presence of you talking. Um, tell them how many spankings. Tell them what those, the, the clear consequences you know, you will receive one swat or two swats or whatever it is in that particular case. 
you know, as a pattern, you want to wait to re, for them to receive the spanking as a demonstration of their obedience and contrition. You know, that means for, for our kids as they're growing up, you know, I would ask them to lay over my leg as I was sitting there and to be ready to receive their discipline. If, if they would not, you know, we would talk about verses like Proverbs 15, 5, a fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is, is sensible. Or Proverbs 15:10, grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way. He who hates reproof will die. And so part of what we're wanting to train our kids in is discipline is a good thing for you. Now you say, yeah, right, what kid is going to receive discipline? Well, for us, the, the way we tried to train them in that was if they would accept discipline, they might get uh, one swat or two swats in, in that situation. But we would tell them, if you don't accept this, then you will get an additional swat or two. And so we would not just continue to, to battle and discipline and t- because, you know, this is a long-term thing over the course of, of, of many months and or years of, of hopefully the Lord working in their heart. And so I'm not going to keep spanking them until they accept one because that could be years. But I am going to increase the consequences so that they know this is not okay for me to respond in that way. Um, so we, we address those, clear, uh, those clearly, what the disobedience was, again, trying to get, get them engaged in that, what are the consequences for that, and then we administer the discipline. Again, on, that, uh, on their, their bottom or the fat part of the leg, if you, if you use the right instrument, you will likely not need to spank on, on bare skin, uh, but your goal is to inflict pain, not, not injury, but, uh, but pain. And the, the child most likely will will cry or express some emotion, and, and then you want to continue to converse with them. Again, as they get older, you want to talk more and more with them using scripture uh, about what it is that has gone on. It's very helpful to have memorized scripture. We'll talk more about this. And, uh, and this is where we really want to be directing their heart to the things of the Lord. What we have found is, is it's harder to have those conversations when they know the spanking is coming. And so they're like, uh, but after that is a, a good opportunity to continue that conversation. You know, this is the realities of, your, of, of what is being shown in your heart. You are not unique in this. You're not the only sinner in the house. This is something that is, is true of, of all of us, that our only hope is ultimately Christ. Jesus is the only one who never disobeyed his parents. And you can be forgiven not only by me, but by God. And, and we'll talk more about those things later on in our class. And, and then to pray with them. And, and if, if there was a situation where they um, need to go and make something right, have them go and make it right or, or obey. You know, if, and, and sometimes that's not possible to recreate the situation. Um, but if my child was disciplined for not obeying and emptying the dishwasher after they've been disciplined, they need to go and they need to empty the dishwasher. This is not a, a substitute. They don't get to pick, would I rather do what you said or get disciplined? You know, I'll take discipline in this case. No, it's, it's you, you still have to do what I said um, in, in that way. Again, there are times where they still refuse and you go through that cycle. That doesn't mean you go through that cycle, you know, uh, until, you know, three weeks later and nobody has emptied the dishwasher. But it, it does mean that you, uh, you want to, to encourage obedience and faithfulness. And then do what you say. Exactly. And, and, and you're wanting to, them to see the, uh, the wisdom of obedience and the foolishness of, of sin in, in those things. Um, and then you want to be reconciled in your relationship. You want to be, you know, giving that child a hug, walking out with a renewed uh, restored relationship. You know, it's not that, okay, I disciplined you and now I'm also mad at you for the next hour, or I'm going to treat you differently for the next hour, or I'm going to play a game with your other siblings, but not you. No, we want to go out and we've done the discipline. That's part of why this has been uh, a helpful thing uh, to, to discipline in this manner is we can now go forth and be reconciled. Again, as your kids get older, um, and I can't tell you what that 
age is for every child. It has been dis different for different ones of our kids. Then this will probably move into other forms of discipline that we will uh, we will will talk more about as we uh, as we move forward today. Um, but whatever we do with our with our kids, we want to be focused on their their hearts. We want to be engaging with them. We'll talk more about that uh, next week as we get into instruction. Um, you know, a, a, a fourth principle uh, about discipline, not only do we need to be shaped by the exhortations and warnings of Scripture, but we also need our discipline to be shaped by the age and condition of your children. And we've talked a little bit about this, um, but our, our goal for our kids is uh, not that they are always living under our discipline. Our goal is to transition from parental discipline ultimately to self-discipline that flows out of that child's relationship to God. And so we're not saying, you know, for the rest of your life, I will be there to tell you what to do and you just always obey me. No, we are wanting to transition to you are choosing to do what is right before the Lord and we are preparing you for that as you as you leave. In many ways, this is a, a, a helpful chart from Shepherding a Child's Heart. As your kids are young, you have the opportunity for a lot of authority and not very much influence. And by that I mean like with your one-year-old, if you want them to get in the car, can you make them get in the car? You can. They're little. Um, you can put them in the car. Um, now they might fight against that. Um, can you influence them a lot? Can you talk to them, you know, and convince them of the wisdom of this and, and all of these? Nah, not so much. I mean, you have high authority, low influence. As your kids age, that, that, sh that, that dynamic shifts in some ways. You know, some of you have older kids. You might have a 17-year-old a son who's bigger than you are. And do you have ultimate authority where you can force them to do whatever you want in that sense? No, you don't. Now, are you still an authority in their life? You bet. But they have to choose to come under your authority. You can't force that on them in the same way that you could when they are younger. At the same time, you have a much greater opportunity for influence because of where they're thinking and, and how you can engage with them at that age. And this is not a bad thing. This is God's intent so that when your child moves out of the house, they are not going from living under the oppressive authority of my parents every day of my life. That's all I don't think ever. I just do what my parents say to now I'm on my own. And it's like, whoa, now what do I do? Whatever I want. No, we want it to be this transition of preparation for them leaving our home and being out from under our authority in that way while hopefully building our influence. And again, we'll, we'll talk a little more about this as it relates to instruction because it, it overlaps, but that does mean discipline looks different at different stages and, and it does develop over time. So uh, young children, infants, toddlers, it's just really teaching them, you know, about no, and doing the simple things that we have said, helping them to learn to be under authority because that's the primary thing that we are focused on. And this takes a lot of time. Uh, in the book, The Faithful Parent, uh, one author says, often the parent must sacrifice time, energy, and personal desires to obey the Lord and discipline the little one while there is hope. You might say, if I, if I do what you're kind of talking about with my young children, I feel as though most of every day will be spent disciplining and talking with my children. And I would say, yeah, it will. I mean, it's, it's, it's an intense phase of engaging with your kids to be actively involved with them when they are young. Now, that doesn't mean every minute of every day. It just feel that way to you. But it's not necessarily that. Um, but it does mean that is a focus of teaching our kids to be under authority, teaching them to obey. As they age, there, there becomes uh, more of using that authority to train in other aspects of what God has called them to, attitudes, um, the tone of voice. So maybe when your child is is two and you just tell them to stop hitting your brother, 
Um, but as they are now five, you're talking to them about what they're saying to their brother and the, then even the tone of voice that they're using with their brother and, and all of that coming back to their heart of loving their brother, but your authority lets you train in other areas as they go and influence them in those ways. You know, once your kids get older to the, the teenage years, discipline often becomes the consequences of their poor and sinful decisions. It doesn't mean we don't add to that, doesn't mean we don't withhold things from them or, or uh, have other consequences that come, but sometimes it's, it's the natural consequences as Proverbs describes of choosing foolishness. So uh, like one of our, uh, you know, if, if, if one of our, our girls had a project due at school and, and we've reminded her of that project, we've offered to help her with that project, she's been lazy and distracted as it came to that project, you know, there may be a consequence of you don't get to, uh, you know, your, your phone is, is gonna be shut off for a period of time, um, but some of those consequences are you have to go to school and stand up and present a project that's not very good. And that's the fruit of your laziness and we're gonna talk about that so that you understand how could this have gone differently and what could you have done differently. Um, and again, we might add some other consequences if there was clear disobedience where we're telling her sit down and work on it and she's like, no, I'm not gonna. Um, but it, it becomes more those natural consequences over time as well. So recognize not all discipline looks exactly the same at every stage of life. It is going to, to be shaped as you are preparing them to be on their own, uh, but you are still the authority over your kids while they are in the home. And then lastly, and really where I want us to, to, to leave thinking about is the fact that our discipline must be shaped by the gospel. Guys, think about the connection between discipline and the gospel. You know, biblical discipline is vital to your children understanding the gospel. If a child is never disciplined, there is truth about God and about sin that they will not fully understand. Discipline gives your children a picture of authority, of, of sin and consequences for sin. It's a great context for talking with your kids about the gospel. Again, Ted Tripp said this, he said, the central focus of child rearing is to bring children to a sober assessment of themselves as sinners. The focal point of your discipline and correction must be your children seeing their utter inability to do the things that God requires unless they know the help and strength of God. Discipline leads to the cross of Christ where sinful people are forgiven. Discipline is the context by which your kids are confronted with their sin and their need for Jesus. That means your discipline is not just about changing them and getting them to behave differently. It's about helping them to see their sin and sinful heart and yet to know the hope and grace that is available to them. You know, discipline is also vital to your children experiencing the gospel because it's an opportunity for them to experience grace. Not grace in the sense that we never deal with sin, but grace that says you are loved and accepted in spite of your sin. But we aren't content to leave you in your sin. One author in Gospel Centered Family said this, he said, grace doesn't mean no discipline, Instead, it changes the way we discipline. We combine discipline with love and acceptance. We discipline our children and point to the forgiveness won at the cross. You see, when we discipline our kids with the backdrop of the gospel, it's not just, it's never a conversation of, I'm so disappointed with you and I'm gonna do this to you so that you will learn to change and be different. That's not grace. That's not God's heart for us. It's always I am disciplining you because sin has consequences and yet I love you and I am eager to be restored to relationship with you just as God is. And God has made provision for our sin. He has made a way for us to be forgiven. You know, when your child walks out of that bathroom or bedroom with you 
And they have been disciplined for sin. There's been consequences for sin. And yet they know my mom or my dad loves me. And they made me an ice cream sundae after dinner the same night that they spanked me for disobeying them or whatever it is that that context of relationship you are modeling for them. God hates sin, but he's made a way to, to be restored to relationship because he loves us. We want our kids to be pointed to the forgiveness that Christ offers through our example of, of discipline. And, and then lastly, discipline is, biblical discipline is vital to your children embracing the gospel. What did that verse in, in Proverbs said? It said, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Your child is inherently rebellious, just as you are. They, they do not desire to submit to and humble themselves before God. Discipline is what God has says is, is, is part of that process of driving that foolishness out of their heart. If your child will not learn to submit to authority, if they will not recognize the consequences of sin and, and hate sin and, and humble themselves before God, they will not embrace the gospel. That's our goal. It's not just in any way just to have life be better at home. It's not just to say, oh boy, wouldn't it be peaceful? My kids could, could share and get along and talk to each other in a nice tone of voice, so we're gonna discipline you so that we have a peaceful home. I mean, those things are great, but that's not the goal. The goal is that your kids recognize and that, that every part, person in your family recognizes sin is an affront to God and that sin has consequences. The consequences in this life are just a little taste of what will come if, and what we deserve from a holy God, and yet there's hope for us. There's hope because of Christ. There's hope because of what he has done, and we are desperate for him, and then we ought to desire to obey, not because we just don't want a spanking, but because we understand how gracious God has been to us, how good God is, how wise God is, and so we are eager to embrace his ways. Um, you know, if you haven't done this, if, if this has not been your pattern of interaction with your kids, maybe you've just been, um, you know, kind of passive and, and ignored a lot of things that, you're, that, that have been true in your kid's heart, in, uh, in those ways, or maybe you've been on the other side and you've just been really harsh and, and nitpicking your kids and, and uh, really uh, consistent in discipline but not having the right heart in that. You know, I would urge you to, to take some time to think about those things carefully. There's some questions and scriptures you can, you can think through at the end of this handout and, and really to repent and, and ask God's forgiveness and, and then ask for your kids' forgiveness. And don't just change all kinds of things at home without communicating that to your kids. Now, if they're young and uh, you know, you're just getting started uh, and you, you make some changes, that's one thing. But if you have a, have a five-year-old and it's been a year and a half since you last disciplined that five-year-old in any substantial way and you say, man, I'm really motivated by this and everything is changing in our house this week uh, about how I'm gonna, I'm gonna be focused on this, you know, I, I would encourage you to sit down and explain that to your child and acknowledge that you are, are seeking to grow and honor the Lord. And there's some things that you are going to be, um, to be doing differently. And here's what those things are. And we're going to, we want to train you to obey. And when you don't, we're going to, we're going to seek to be more faithful and more consistent in that. And then consistently do it. Now you might be gracious at first with your child, <laughs> You might remind them at first because you may have spent time training them not to obey you. And so you may need to come back and say, you know what, this is how it's going to be. And for a week or so, you might remind them that, hey, this is the kind of thing that I'm talking about that's not obedience and it's not okay. And, and I'm not going to go and, and give you a spanking right now because uh, I want you to recognize the kind of situations that we're talking about and be patient in transitioning to that, but be intentional and then be faithful with it. Be faithful to train and instruct your kids because you love them. And, and you love them too much not to discipline them. 
You love them too much to let them run down the road of their own sin and foolishness towards the consequences. If your kid had, had cancer and was diagnosed or some other significant disease and the doctor told you if you are faithful and you bring them in twice a week for treatment, there's a really good chance that we can deal with this. And the treatment is not fun. <laughs> They're not gonna have much of an appetite for a couple days afterwards. And you know maybe their hair's gonna fall out and there's gonna be consequences for this treatment, but it is what is best for your child. I doubt that any of us would say, oh, you know, I love them too much to put them through that. <laughs> nah, I don't think so. I don't think we're gonna do that. No, we would say, man, I'm gonna be faithful in that. And I'm gonna do it even though it's hard. <laughs> Even though it's not fun for them, it's not fun for us, we're gonna be engaged in this and we're gonna do this because I love my child and I wanna rescue them. I wanna see them saved from this. That's what discipline is. It's not fun, it's hard. You don't love it, they don't love it, but it is right and it is good and it is what we are called to to save, seek to save uh, our kids. Again, as God works through that in, uh, in their hearts. Well, next week, we're going to transition to instruction. We've already talked a little bit about talking with our kids in the process of discipline, and there is overlap of these things. Um, and, and so uh, I hope you'll be able to join us next week as we transition to that other key tool of, of bringing the scriptures to bear on our kids, both in the process of discipline and then outside of that as well. Well, I'm going to pray. If you have questions, happy to stick around, talk, visit um, about uh, anything that, that comes to your mind. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have been faithful to confront us with our own sin. And, and Lord, you have um, caused us to see the, just the, the consequences of a life of rebellion against you. And, and by your grace, you have brought us to, uh, to hate our sin and, and to desire to obey you. And, and Lord, we do recognize, even as we learned and we're reminded of today in the sermon, that we still struggle with sin. We still do things we don't want to do, even as those who, who love you. And, and Lord, we know that's true of our, our kids as well. And, and uh, we want to balance patience and grace with them and an understanding of their sin with, with faithfulness to, to help them to see the folly of disobeying you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give each of the parents in this room real wisdom as they seek to train and discipline their kids. Lord, help us to balance well the, the different attitudes that we've seen reflected perfectly in you of, of patience and kindness, of love and grace, but of consistency and, and carefulness and intentionality in these things. Lord, help us to discipline our kids out of love, to have uh, wisdom in, in what that looks like in each situation that we encounter. And Lord, we pray that you would bear fruit in our kids through that, that you would drive the foolishness out of our kids' hearts, that they would come to, to submit to you, to embrace wisdom. Lord, we pray that you would uh, uh, just continue to, to use us, continue to use our kids and the interactions that we have with them to shape us. And uh, we look forward to our time back together next week. In Christ's name, amen.